Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm Coach Andrew Poretz from Ingenuity Coaching. I help people to discover and fulfill their passions and greatness. My mission is to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams, and with my coaching, help you to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at www.myfuturecoach.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach Andrew. If you're listening live and you want to call in with a question, the phone number here is 646-929-2893. You'll be able to listen to the show on the phone, and if you press the number 1, this will let me know that you want to ask a question. We also have a live chat room right on the show page where you can feel free to join in. My guest, Gail Murphy, is a media expert, veteran Hollywood correspondent, speaker, media and presentational business coach, and the author of the best-selling Interview Tactics, How to Survive the Media Without Getting Clobbered. Gail has conducted over 13,000 celebrity interviews in her successful broadcasting career, including people like Tom Cruise, Simon Cowell, Julia Roberts, and so many more. And Gail will teach you how you can tell it to sell it at www.interviewtactics.com. Dot com. Gail Murphy, are you with me? I most certainly am, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> oh, what, it's a pleasure. What a what a what a nice uh, sound that you have there. Thank yeah. you. So, uh, I was, you know, I'm, first of all, as some people may know, we were supposed to have you on the show a little while ago, and that was not able to happen at the last minute. And uh, one of the results of that is that I had a chance to read your book, which has been uh, really interesting, and I really enjoy uh, the book very much, and especially the, uh, the the autograph. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I guess the uh, um, universe works in mysterious ways because you got to see the book. Exactly. So it was just a mystery to me, and now it's, now it's not. And uh, I learned a lot about you and about uh, some of the things you do. And so, but let's, I'm going to pretend that I don't know anything just for the Uh-oh. sake of those people who have, you know, don't yet know who you are. They don't know much about you. So first of all, tell me a little bit how you got into this field. Well, I actually uh, started as a stand-up comedian and then moved to uh, radio. I did radio here in Los Angeles. And um, it was my comedy background that enabled me to um, be a German dominatrix called Greta Legumbo on K-Rock here in L.A. and then the Traffic Tootsie on K-West. And then for 17 years, I was the only on-location rock reporter in L.A. And so I went to some of the best shows and I traveled all over the world and reported on rock and roll. And then sometime around the early 90s, I switched to covering uh, a, a broader base of entertainment, uh, specifically TV and films, some authors, some sports people, uh, some you know lifestyle, celebrity kind of stuff. And um, sometime about ten years later, after that, I just I felt like I was an old salt. You know, I've been doing it for so long, and along the way, I had met so many people that had such a great product and such a great service. And they were so unprepared to talk to the press. It was astounding to me. Mm. And I thought, who told these people they could walk? Who told these people they could talk to me? <laughs> you know, they didn't know what they were supposed to do. They didn't know what their job is. And then I realized, how could they? Who's going to tell them this? You know, there's no quintessential insider's guide to giving a killer interview. So I decided I'm going to write it. And um, this way I won't have to work so hard. Great. Uh, well, that wasn't true. I mean, I did write it, but now I'm working twice as much, and along with everybody else, with the explosion of media, I'm cloning myself. 
What do you mean by that when you say you're cloning? Well, I'm going to have to clone myself because I'm working four times as much as I did, you know, 20 years ago. So are you training some mini gals? No, just in terms of everything within social media, within networking, within getting yourself out there, which in terms of getting yourself remembered and memorable, because I'm on both sides of the microphone, you know. I mean, I interview, I've interviewed over 14,000 celebrities and newsmakers, but I have a book, and I'm also a correspondent. I work with BBC and Sky News, so I'm the one that's being interviewed. So I know exactly what I'm talking about when I tell people, do this instead of that. You'll get a lot more mileage out of it. So, you know, this is putting you on both sides of it. Now, I know you, you focus now on teaching people to handle, you know, giving an interview, but do you also help people who do the interviewing? I do. Oh. I actually do because it's all part of my uh, life experience. Mm -hmm. And who better than me? There's no one better. Uh, well, thank you so much. I mean, well, I've been doing it for so long, and even in spite of myself, I've been really successful at it. Uh, people seem to like me, and so why not share my uh, my tips, tactics, and techniques on not only doing the job right, but being likable and getting rehired and ha and creating compelling programming at the same time. So I, I'm going to first ask you a couple of questions from the the the, the interviewing side, since you, since I know now that you do both sides, and then we'll get yes. to the other stuff. But what are um, how about like two or three things you can think of that someone could do right now that could change how they ask questions in an interview? Well, uh, first of all, you have to understand that being interviewed and interviewing is a two-person sport. They're both sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. So you're always going to be asked, and you're or you're always going to be a asking. Can you hear that helicopter right over my head? No, now? I can't. It's coming oh, right through. I know I hear a little bit. Yeah. You hear it a little bit? I hope they're not after me. At the end of the day, if you're being interviewed, you're always going to be asked the same four questions as if you were giving the interview, and you're gonna. It's going to be so. Who are you? What are you selling? What problem do you solve? for the people that are going to buy your product and service, mm -hmm. and where can they get it. Um, and you can add about 40 or 50 more um, questions on that. A couple of also things is um, don't ever ask a question that has a yes or a no for an answer. That sounds like a very wise tip. Never, ever, ever do that. Also, when you're interviewing, listening is more important than, than speaking. Uh, if you come into an interview with an agenda, you can come in with a blueprint and a plan, but you have to be willing to throw it away because the interview itself could turn out to be far more compelling just based on the person. I mean, you have never met them before, right. and they could turn out to be way more interesting, way more personable, and then you just want to take all that stuff and put it in to the side. But the only way you're going to know that is if you're listening. Because if you ask me a question and then I tell you, oh, yeah, well, when I won the Nobel Prize for Peace back in 98, and that wasn't part of your research and you're not listening, you're not asking, well, what the heck was it like winning the Nobel Peace Prize and the Oscar in the same year? Well, you had, a, you had an amazing year, Gail. I did. <laughs> no doubt yeah, I did. Yes. Yeah. So, and then you could do a whole half hour just on that. 
what was it like? What were they eating? What were they wearing? What was it like when you found out it was happening? Who were you competing against? Did you ever see those people? Did you ever talk to them? What was the party like? You know, I mean, there's a million questions. And your job as a storyteller, depending on which side of the story you're telling, um, is to tell a really good, compelling story. So you want to use color, you want to use detail, and you want to take me to that place. Okay. So as an interviewer, you kind of need the same tactics and techniques as you do for someone that's being interviewed. And ultimately what happens is it's a, it turns out to, to be a great game of chess. You become their goal because they know you're there to work. They know just in talking to you for the first five seconds, oh, okay, I'm in my element, I'm in my milieu, I'm working with a formidable partner. Not an adversary, but a formidable partner. I like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I work with you know with the with the growth certainly of um, of internet radio and also um, do it yourself audio and video on your websites. You, you can you know interview a, a different person every week or every two weeks or once a month. You know experts in your area of of, of expertise. You know, I've done. I'm doing on a. I'm on a book tour right now for my book interview tactics, and I can't tell you how many times. You know, when when you're going to be interviewed, you send your bio, you send your photograph, you you know maybe send some articles that were written on you, but you're also sometimes asked to forward them a, a list of questions, FAQs, frequently right. asked questions, sure. right? I can't tell you how many times the people have just gone down the list and asked me these asked me the questions that I wrote. Wow. Because they're lazy. Yeah. Because they're lazy. So what happens is I wind up taking over the show because it's not fun for me. And let's face it, I want to have fun. And if taking over your show is fun for me, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I would think that somebody with a background in stand-up comedy is going to want to have some fun. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I want to have fun regardless of whatever I'm doing, or at least a pleasant experience, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, why not? Because, you know, I mean, gosh, I wrote a book. I did the work, you know? I have a great message, you know? I have people tell me that I've changed their life because where the heck else are you going to get this information? So give me not an example of that. You said somebody, people well, have told you that... You've changed your lives. I don't know if you want well, to name names, but it's certainly what kind of way has that happened for someone? Well, certainly with a pitch. I remember being at a seminar, a big, big, it was one of those three-day seminar events, and I was speaking there. And this woman came up to me and said to me, can I have five minutes of your time? I said, yeah, you can. She had put together a nonprofit. She was living in Pennsylvania and had a nonprofit for uh, welfare mothers to get them off of welfare and get them into paying jobs. And she had all the right governmental agencies that were going to give her money once, once she was able to have interested parties to invest in it. But she didn't know how to pitch it. She couldn't pitch it. She'd had the damn thing for six years, and it was going like molasses because she just didn't know how to pitch it. And I said, stop. And I worked with her for approximately four minutes. And she bursted into tears and she said, you just saved my life. Because it was all right there in front of her, but she didn't know how to read it. And in four she didn't minutes, know how to read it. Hmm? 
In four minutes. In four minutes. Well, it was all there. It was all done. Yeah. She had already done the work. She just didn't know how to tell anybody about it. And so what was she it that you did that made that difference right there? Well, I told her what or what's going to make a reporter interested. Hmm. What? Look, the media is in the news business, period. End of story. They're in the news business. So what do they buy? They buy news. Sure. So let's make your story news. So how is it relevant? And how is it relevant to their listeners and their readers? What problem does your business and products or product or service solve for them? Mm -hmm. Once you can articulate, start articulating that stuff, then we can at least address it up, you know, dress it up a little bit. Sure. I'll give you an example. I work with a company here um, in California where the woman has a high-end con concierge service. That's what she calls it. She calls it a concierge service, but basically it's a high-end part-time assistant. Right. Right? So you can buy their time in an hour, in two hours, a half a day, a day, whatever it is, and they'll do anything from walk your dog to pick up legal documents from the airport to go to your attorney to, you know, pick up your stuff at the dry cleaner and, you know, I mean, they'll pretty much do anything. So at the end of the day, when you look at her end user, her end user is all over the place. It's doctors, dancers, producers, cowboys. I mean, it's all different kinds of stuff. So there's really no commonality within her end user. It's not like you sell to mom, okay? Sure. But what she, what, so what does she sell? She sells free time. Mm. That's what she's selling is free time. And who doesn't want free time? Who doesn't want a better sex life? Who doesn't want more love? Who doesn't want to spend more time with their family? Who doesn't want to be healthy? So what do you sell? That's powerful. And it's powerful. And once you get into that media group, because at the end of the day, there's only about 12 um, topics that really make reporters you know, stand up and take notice. And once you know what they are, if you can hang who you are and what you do and piggyback on something that's happening in the news, well, you're gold. And you're not even gold. You didn't even really win anything. You <laughs> learned how to speak media. Right. So media is, is right? its own language. It is its own language. It has its own language and it has its own stuff. Two of the pieces of stuff are your pitch, how do you present your, um, your business product and service. One of my pitches is I, celebrit I celebritize radio show hosts. I celebritize CEOs. I celebritize authors. I celebritize experts. I celebritize entrepreneurs. Do I have a different job for each one of those? No, but I use the one that is most effective in the environment I'm, with, I'm in to get that person's attention. So they go, oh, I'm a talk show host. You can celebritize me? Well, I can't really celebritize you, but I can teach you what it takes to be able to do that. So oh, that's I, number I was one. getting all excited, you know, because I was about to say, uh, Gail, uh, how could you celebritize me? Well, first of all, you've already read the book, so that's good. <laughs> True. That's good. Uh -huh. And then, of course, I do coaching, so mm -hmm. um, I would make an appointment for you. And probably give you a really good price. Oh, thank you. Um, but, um, you know, let me turn the tables on you for a second. You read the book. Mm -hmm. um, based on what you read, 
do, do you see any any way that, that perhaps you might be a bit more mediaized now than you were before you read it? I think How I you're... think I'm definitely more a little bit more uh, savvy, a little bit more uh, like my eyes are how I'm seeing certain things out there because I follow the media, you know, to a certain extent and um, certain people that I follow and, I, and the language. I'm a big, you know, so I'm a social media maven, I guess you can call me. So it's definitely it's definitely opened up my eyes to a certain thing. Right. I, by the way, I love your uh, your slogan. You got to tell it to sell it. That's it. I love that. Yeah, he, actually, that's just one of them. You got to pitch it to promote it, so you right. can tell it to sell it. Right. So another thing that's part of this whole, you know, media world, this strange and bizarre jungle of stuff, is this idea of sound bites. It doesn't apply to any other um, industry or business, and it's unique of of the media, and it's called sound bites. So what is a sound bite? The soundbite is a brief and outstanding mini version of who you are and what you're selling. So what that means is, ultimately what that means is um, it's, it's the, in print, every time you read an article about anything, and anytime something's in quotes, that's a soundbite. That was specifically chosen to validate the point that the writer has proposed. Mm. Okay. When you watch electronic, which would be TV, online, radio, um, anytime they actually cut to the person speaking, the same premise is intact where it pumps up the point of view of the person who's speaking, uh, of the person who's actually running the show. Um, that's when you hear the actual voice. But a soundbite is a soundbite, and that is the mana of what the media actually thrives on. So the pitch gets their attention. It's, that's, that's more like a snapshot. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about interview tactics, as opposed to full-on media coaching, is that it's really about the right tool for the right time. So anytime you ever come up with a way of thinking or looking about your business that you can articulate, write it all down. Keep it. That's your little interview tactics toolbox. And you also you always want to do a little bit of homework you know, even before you go to that dinner party or before you go to that chamber mixer or before you pitch the media and find out who is this person? Who are these people that are going to be there? Or who is this person I'm going to meet? Oh, wow, they're a press person. Oh, wow, they, um, geez, I, I, I'm in the health business. They, um, they cover automobiles. Well, you know, it'd be good practice anyway, so I'll talk to them anyway and see if any of my little pitches work. Because they've already got that media muscle pretty well tuned up and exercised. You sort of reminded me, like when you go for a, a job interview, which is another kind of interview, and you do research and you find out all kinds of things about the company, the man you're about, or woman you're about to meet, and so that you're really prepared to have a different type of conversation that some other people might have. It's just like going fishing. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know how? You work for scale. If you're gonna. If you're going to go fishing, you go where the you fish where the fish are. Ah. Right? Right. You fish where the fish are. It's 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 pretty simple. That's why it's so difficult because you know, it's the simplicity that just drives people nuts. Nuts. And I, you sometimes wonder, you say, "How did this person get on CNN?" Because they had the media skills. 
it was, sure would have been nicer if they had something that was, you know, a little more content-driven, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of wasn't just about them. But they're entertaining, you know. We live in an infotainment world. Content is king. People want n- information and content. But it's always nicer when you can break it down and be inclusive. You know, you're talking about, like, sound bites and, and, and uh, being able to, to uh, be media savvy when you're speaking. Uh, I'm wondering, do you think that uh, something like Twitter, where people are learning to speak very to the point in 140 characters, is that changing things? Well, I think it's really helpful. See, because at the end of the day, the biggest mistake people make when they do interviews is they think it's about them. It's not. It's about the story. It happens to be your story, but guess what? When it goes into print, your name is is on their, you know, their name is like way bigger and higher up there than yours. Right. And also, I'm of the belief that if you can't tell it to one person, you can't tell it to a million. So I think Twitter's really great because it forces you to focus. But also, the cool thing about Twitter is, is if your message is more than 144 characters, you can 140 characters. You can um, do three tweets in a row, but it's a good skill set to know. It's a mm-hmm. it's good to know because sometimes you're only going to have a second and a half to pitch yourself. Like when I say I celebritize CEOs, that's one second. That's my one and a half, one point five second pitch. It's yeah, and three if there's wor- any CEOs listening to the show, they're gonna they're gonna hear that, and their ears are gonna really pick up. Yeah. Well, it's called sticky. In, in, in the lingo, they call it sticky. Sticky. And sticky means that it, you're, it sticks. It's like that song, that stupid bubblegum song that you can't get out of your head. They you call know, it earworms, I think, when you have a song that plays It's, no, it's no accident. They, it's, there's a science to that. They write songs like that so you can't get it out of your head. Mm. And so... If you can't, you can't get it out of your head. How many other people can't get it out of their head either? I so uh, you want to create, <laughs> you want to create sound bites that are that are are compelling and sticky. And also, sticky's good because sticky can go out there and do all the work for you. So I'll give you an example of how that works. Let's say we were. Um, Let's say we were in the green room getting ready to go on a TV show, and, right. I, you know, they were interviewing me first, and then they were interviewing you, and then you and I were having a chit-chat in the green room, and then I went in to do my interview, and then your friend came in and said, who is that woman that you were just here? What does she do? Oh, man, you should say she's really interesting. She celebritizes talk show hosts. Are you kidding? You're a talk show host? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So you've done the work for me. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was wanted to ask you because uh, uh, very interesting that in your book you put in the front of the book. See, you're supposed to say in your book interview tactics. I'm so sorry. In your book interview tactics. There you go. Because when I, we talk about your book, what's the name of your book? It's, it's not ready yet, but when it when it when it is, I I you will be uh, the first person I call. Do you have a name for it? Uh, I actually do. What is it? Uh, the 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 troll in the road. Well, in your forthcoming book, the troll in the road. Yeah. Exactly. Ex- exactly. So, but in your book, interview tactics. 
There you go. Gail Murphy. You Thank put you. you're welcome. You put uh in the beginning of this the lost chapters. Yes. Which the I thought sacred, was really interesting. Sacred lost chapters of interview tactics. I loved it. First of all, you told this really great little story about the Beatles and their lost, uh, their lost uh, sound, the lost tapes of the Beatles. And I'm a Beatle yeah. maniac, so that got me. So of course, you got my attention talking about uh-huh. that. Oh, by the way, the oh, what, I, what a what hmm? a coincidence! I started the book with the greatest rock band in the world. Talk about Absolutely. a hook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I can still tell you where, where I was when the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan. Oh my gosh. I was I was alive. Yes, I admit it. Where were you? I was in uh, in my bedroom in Bayside, Queens, and uh, the week before, or a couple of days before, my mother had brought home Meet the Beatles. Oh, for heaven's sake! And said, "Oh, hey, kids, this new band—they're going to be on Ed Sullivan on Sunday night." And I still have that album; it's no longer playable. I played it on you know 150,000 times, but I still remember that moment of them. Of them. Well, the cover's, worth, the cover's worth a fortune, so get it in plastic no, yeah, <laughs> and no, glass. This one. this one is just so uh, so beaten up. It would, it's not worth much. It's only worth to me because it's, you know, his mom gave uh-huh. it to me. But, yeah. but, uh, but I digress. Anyway, <laughs> by the way, when I heard, when I saw Lost Chapters, actually what I first thought of when, until I read that was uh, the, the Honeymooners Lost episode. Mm-hmm. But um, the... You talk about there some of the things that are uh, some of the changes that have happened since you first started oh. writing the book. Yeah. And uh, you gave. You know, first of all, I'd like I'd like you to give your definition of modern media. Well, definition, uh, with all due respect to Mr. Webster and his wonderful dictionary, up until prior to 2005, the definition of media it was an it's a noun. And it's radio, TV, newspapers, magazines, and all the people involved in the production thereof. Uh, Murphy's Law, um, after um, 2007, 2008, Mm -hmm. it's still a noun, you'll be happy to know, but it's basically anyone or anything that has the ability to take your message and move it forward. And I'll say that again, it's anyone or anything that has the ability to take your message and move it forward. And and it's really interesting because when I do seminars and I talk to people and I ask them if they've done any media and they say, no, not yet, um, you know, my business is still on my kitchen table, uh, we're too small, my business is B2B, you know, I'm not doing media just yet. And I say, okay, so do you agree that the definition of media is anyone or anything that has the ability to take your message and move it forward? They say, yeah. I said, so basically what you're telling somebody like me is you've never left a message on anybody's voicemail, never sent an email, never written a letter, never been in a photograph, don't have a business card. I mean, you've been doing media all along, but not maybe with the greatest amount of impact or intention. Right. So doesn't that then mean that you, whenever you do any of those things going forward, if, if you have a message, that something has to change, right? They're branding opportunities. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely branding opportunities. You should have your website, your phone number, your email address, and a blurb about yourself and your signature. You should also say LinkedIn, LinkedIn with me, Facebook with me. Um, uh, what is it? Link, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. And Twitter, yeah, it should be on there with mm-hmm. you know with click-through buttons. 
because uh, the more people you get to link to you, it uh, it ups your uh, SEO, your search engine optimization. Mm. You get five thousand people following you, you're going to come. You're going to have a jump in in your keywords when you put it in there. Absolutely. And that's just a simple, simple, simple way. So whenever I get these big chain letters, you know, people send these really stupid chain chain letters, especially the ones I know that isn't true. And there's like, you know, 4,000 people that have gotten it. I always reply. Uh-huh. I, I always too. reply. <laughs> I always reply. You're the only other I, one I know who does that. <laughs> I always reply, uh -huh. and I say, um... That chance, go to go to snoop.com and you'll find out it isn't true. Blah blah blah. And then I say, but thanks for sharing anyway. And then I have my signature, and it's got my picture in it, and Facebook, and LinkedIn, and I've got a couple of articles that are out there right now, and one in Entrepreneur, and another one in the Guardian, and the UK, and all of those links are on there. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I've branded yeah. myself to four thousand people that don't even know me. But I did, I did something for them. Mm -hmm. You did. You gave them. Uh, you gave them the real truth. Yeah. You stopped them from embar embarrassing themselves further because no, Bill Gates is not going to give you a million dollars for emailing. I know. It's sad, isn't it? And people, you know, oh, maybe it's true. It was just on CNN. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. But Dale Murphy may have been on CNN just now. Yeah. Exactly. That is true. And so, um, you know, um, you know, um, you could go back through your, you know, delete box or your inbox and find all of them and now spend the night answering them. But, um, you know, you have to look at it. It's a, it's a numbers game. If 2,000 people got that email and the conversion rate is about 1.9, so maybe 30 people read your email. That was 30 people that right. never heard of you. That's right. I'll go. I'll do that if, to press a button. Yeah. I'll do it. So all these little tiny micro opportunities. That's micro, micro branding. Yeah. Add up. I mean, oh, let me tell you. Here's a little secret. When I go to karaoke, which is often. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, the thing is Coach Andrew. Yeah. Oh. Wherever yeah. I go, I'm Coach Andrew. Yeah. There you go. And if you Google Coach Andrew, I'm the first Coach Andrew you see. I'm the I'm more than half of the page. Is me. That's. With, you don't need my awesome. last name. You'll still find me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, it's, it, there's nothing, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. You know, uh, if you have written a book or, you know, produced a CD or have a game or have a product, you really need to know the good news and the bad news. The bad news is no one is going to, Listen to your record or read your book unless they emotionally invest in you. Mm. Because nobody has the time. Now, if I, let's say I wrote a book about how to paint your house. You're not going to read it. But if I told you I was dating George Clooney, you might read it. Especially if you're also painting his house. Exactly. Or if I tell you I painted his house. Or if I tell you he's my client, that which he's not. Which What's wrong not. with him? I'm going to speak but, to George in the morning and ask him yeah. about the client. Yeah, I know. Get him on the phone. I will. We'll do lunch. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there you 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 have to you have to of course you have to get permission, 
but you have to brand yourself. And and if you don't remember me for who I am, but you remember my friend, that's fine. Yeah. And you're pretty memorable from what I've seen so far. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I want to ask you something um, regarding with some of the you know you talk about people not being prepared. But what are, what are some crazy things anyone's ever told you that surprised you? That surprised me. Crazy yeah. things that turned out to be true or not true. Either true or not true, but like you couldn't, you like you 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 as listening to this person, you're you know you're like, are you kidding me? You know that kind of look on your face, you couldn't believe it. Well, I live in Hollywood, honey. I live in Hollywood, so I can't really <laughs> believe ninety nine percent of the people that I talk to. But the thing that is most surprising to me is that when a publicist or a studio books an interview or does a press junket or a press conference and has never even asked the person that's being interviewed if they've ever done press before. That, to me, is so astounding. It's like, get out of here. I'm never going to use this. I had a, um, and I, I, I used, 15 years ago, I used to do like eight or nine interviews in a day. I did like 41 one time, and they were in increments of 10 minutes back to back. And um, so I had this young kid who was like 17. It's nobody you, anybody ever heard of. I never heard of him before that. I never heard of him after that. But they were putting him out there for interviews. And I was really tired because I had done a lot of interviews that day. And I said, so tell me about this movie. He goes, well, it's really action-packed. And? Exciting. Well, and uh, no. I, I had I fun. Are you asking me? Uh, no, I had fun. Okay. And I was like, don't make me work so hard. I mean, the, the interview was completely unusable. Did you ever see? Bill I'm not going to do the, the. I'm not going to do the interview and not know what's happening when I'm doing the interview, and then take another 20 minutes and listen to it to affirm that I don't know what's happening. Right. Unless your name happens to be Spielberg. Irving Spielberg, that's my name. Yeah, Irving Spielberg, yeah. yeah. Did you ever see, by the way, the movie Bull Durham? Yeah. You re- you may recall that, that was one of the areas in, in this movie was this guy who's like this complete, you know, didn't know how to do anything, and he kept on really fouling up the interviews, and he had to be kind of coached along the way and how to say what kind of things to say to the press. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah. Kind of, sort of. It was a long time. I haven't seen it. I just remember the kissing scene. <laughs> okay. I remember the kissing scene, and for some reason I remember this being coached in these like key things to say about, you know, I'm in the big show, and, and these like, yeah. things that were like the sound bites you were talking about that, that yeah. would, would make people say, oh, that makes sense. Well, because the thing is, people don't know who he is, but they know who his team is. Right. If I get a new job, if I get a new job, right? Mm-hmm. And you say to me, so, Gail, what's going on? And I say, oh, I got a new job. You go, oh, that's great. But if I, you say to me, Gail, what's going on? And I say to you, I just got a new job. I'm the personal assistant to Steve Jobs. Wow. Is that, is that, is that, does that make it any different? Oh, it makes it a lot different. There you go. There you go. Do you, are you going to feel bad because I'm, I'm impressed by Steve Jobs and I, and I get the breath of that? <laughs> And say, well, why can't you just be happy for me? Why does it have, why does it have to be Steve Jobs? Why can't you, you know, it could be like Joe Blow. 
Well, I don't know who Joe Blow is. Hmm. You can't get all precious about this stuff either. Right. You know, I'm just I'm just the messenger, and I'm just telling people what works. Got that. So um, you have, uh, I understand, a two-day media coaching program. I'm sorry, say that again? You have a two-day media coaching program? Uh, I have a, I do. Yeah, I want to hear about that. Well, um, uh, how can I explain? Well, first of all, if anybody's listening to this and is going to do any media coaching, somebody can tell you, um, you know, how much it is in advance or um, exactly what you're going to learn, get out of there, because uh, no one price fits all. But at the at the end of, at the end of the day, and I'm going to put my glasses on because I don't want to miss any of this. It's basically how to master the art of meeting the press, how to talk to a reporter, how to talk off the record. There is no such thing as on and off the record. How to answer reporters' questions. What are sound bites and why they're important and how to use them. Why it's important to smile for the camera. Everything you should know about radio interviews, TV interviews, press conferences, roundtables, the red carpet. Also, what your body language is saying about you, the different kinds of media, and what each one vitally needs from you. Also, how you look is important. I mean, if you are the CEO of a multinational European bank, you don't want to come in looking like Snoop Dogg. Why the press is really your gatekeeper, how to help them do their job, and how to find your own story. And um, a lot of this is in the book. A tremendous amount of it is in the book. Um, so, so this is sort of like a live version of the book in a way. Well, but it's all it's all geared towards the person. Right. Oh, so words, this is not, not a, this is a, not a group program. Is so this is a, a well, I have group, I have I have group programs mm-hmm. and I have um, individualized programs. As a matter of fact. I'm going to be, um, I was just in New York at the Showbiz Expo, and I'm going to be back in New York at the beginning of May. I'm doing a book signing at the Tea Salon, and there I may, you know, I'll certainly be able to talk to anybody who might be listening to this who wants to find out how they can tell it to sell it. Well, I hope I get to meet you when you're in New York. Well, that would be great. I'll put you on my um, my list. Also, if anybody is listening to this and they want to be on my list where I can just let them know what's going on, I'll be at the Showbiz Expo in L.A. as well, and I'm also doing a a three-hour seminar at the beginning of May. Just go to Gail, G-A-Y-L, no E, Gail, at interviewtactics.com. And also, you can get some uh, some free stuff from me. Free stuff? Free stuff. There's a big sign when you open the page it says get free here and I'll send you 10 killer interview tactics that will save your life wow, okay it won't great. save your life it won't save your life well, it might. but you'll be happy to have them well you know I, I, I'm starting to get now for, on this show a lot of people who are authors and who are out there who are starting to appear places and, and these are some of the people who are going to need to know how do they how do they handle giving an interview? Mm-hmm. In fact, I think they need to read the book before they talk to me. Well, some people don't have the luxury of time. Sometimes, you know, um, I've worked with authors who have called me and said, can you work with me tomorrow? I'm going to be on uh, Rachel Ray the day after tomorrow. I just got the phone call. 
So sometimes you do have the luxury of time, but the thing is you don't want to read your the, the manual for your car until your car breaks down. You know, it's nice to go through it. I mean, nobody ever reads the manual to their car ever. <laughs> but it would be nice if they did because if it has, you know, tricky things that it does, you don't want to think after, you know, just driving the car for five miles that we won't start. Maybe it has some kind of tricked-out key thing that it does. I'm the actually the, the, the guy who rents cars and re, sits, has to pull over somewhere and read the book just to figure out how does I how do I change this radio station already? I know that's really embarrassing. Very embarrassing. Yeah. I, I'd like really to get your uh, take on something, Gail. So as you as a, basically an interview expert, so how do you what would you what would you recommend to Tiger Woods right now, whose uh, interviews have been uh, not very exciting or forthcoming or probably helpful? Well, you know, they, I've been all over the story on Sky News since it broke in uh, around Thanksgiving. Um, the whole idea was he should, but see, he was so messed up mm-hmm. that it's really hard. It's, it's, you know, I, I, I get why he didn't do it. He was out of his mind and he needed sure. help. Um, but he needed to get in front of the story first so that he could define himself and not have all these bimbos defining him. Um, you know. Where is his allegiance, and who is his allegiance to? His allegiance is to his wife and his kids and to the people he does business with and to his fans. Um, he didn't kill anybody. His, he's just out of control. Mm-hmm. But, he's not, but, it's, but it's, not with kids, it's not with children. I mean, everyone is a, a willing participant. Right. Um, and they're not people that I would necessarily want to hang out with. They're not people of great integrity or great social import. But where in where he was in his mind at that time, that was what he wanted, and that's what he got, you know, over and over and over again. Sure. Um, but if he called you today, what would you tell him to do differently than he's done so I'd tell far? him to win the Masters. I'd tell him to win the Masters. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, that, and that would that be all that would out. do it. That will shut everybody up. I think he's done enough. I mean, I've... But, you know, I've seen all of his, pres- you know, the two press conferences that he gave over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I think he's given it. I don't think he owes anybody anything more. You know, we as a culture have to make our parents and our grandparents and our religious leaders the people that are the ones that we should put on a pedestal. But we're finding out now even putting our religious leaders on a pedestal is nowhere to go either. And that stuff's a crime. Yeah. So, so poor little Tiger Woods is, is is nothing compared to these pariahs. That's true, but he is the guy who uh, is certainly up in the news a lot, and that's why I'm asking you about that guy. Well, they're following him around. I think he's done enough. I think he's okay. I think he needs to win the Masters, and then just move on. He's he'll be fine. He'll be fine. He's got Absolutely. so much. He's got so much personal toxicity that he has to get out of his system that has nothing to do with the media, that has everything to do with himself and him being healthy. Definitely. And they just need to leave they just need to leave him alone. He didn't cheat on me. Where would he be if he did? Well we don't want to talk about that. Well, you know <laughs> But Gail must go on he didn't do like... nothing to me. And you know what? If what? he was in rock and roll, 
none of this, we wouldn't even be having this. This is true. He should have switched careers. We wouldn't careers. even be having this conversation. Absolutely. He would be getting a tattoo now. He'd be getting a tattoo and he'd be getting his back slapped. Absolutely. By a whole bunch of other people saying well, what a man he is. Gail, believe it or not, uh, our uh, our interview would because today uh, we're doing a little short show because you're in, I know you're in between a couple of things, so we are actually about to close the show. I want to thank you so very much for being on Coach's Corner. Gail Murphy can be found at interviewtactics.com, and you will want to get a copy of Interview Tactics: How to Survive the Media Without Getting Clobbered. Get it now. Go to her website, sign up to get some tips. And we will be back next week at Coach's Corner on Coach Andrew Blog Talk Radio. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.